Kia ora, and welcome to Venn Presents, a series of conversations exploring the depth and richness of the Christian tradition between the host Sam Bloor and members of the Venn team and wider Venn community. Each short series of Venn Presents will expand on some of the themes that have emerged from Venn's work, including our programs, events, books, and our monthly publication Common Ground. The topics will be wide-ranging, from exploring Christian faith and doctrine to engagement with wider culture, including family, business, the arts, education, music, and sport. Our hope is that through each series of Venn Presents, you'll be able to reimagine how the gospel might look in the communities and callings you find yourself in today. Now let's go ahead and listen to the latest episode. Welcome back to this three-part series that we're doing on the Ascension, on Pentecost and the Church. I'm Sam Bloor and I'm again joined by good friend and colleague Nathan McClellan, CEO of Venn. Great to have you with us again. It's good to be here. Always love discussing uh, uh, the Church's teaching. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, yeah. So we come to this third and final session that we've got for this particular series on the Church. Hmm. And again... Like the other two, pretty ambitious to try and cover off this in its uh, exhaustively in thirty minutes, but we'll we'll just have a conversation we'll give and it a see, shot. <laughs> see where it goes. And uh, you can expect, as always, us to put in a few lyrics from hymns and songs of yesterday, and maybe even one or two from today, depending on how we go uh, along the way. And uh, if not before then, at least to close something musical, because the church has oftentimes sung her theology. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the hymns I grew up singing was called The Church is One Foundation. The Church is One Foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is the new creation by water and the word. There's some good theology there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to try and attempt to sing that. Uh, otherwise, no one will ever listen to this podcast again. <laughs> It is interesting, isn't it, that uh, just in those few lines, there's some there's some deep theology of the church going on there. There's a lot going on, yeah. So look, I mean, maybe to pivot off talking of, you know, kind of capturing theology in song, but also in creed, mm. how is the church spoken about in the creed? That might be a good place to start. Yeah, we believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church and when I say that, uh, I I realise pretty quickly I'm going to need to unpack some of those terms. What does it so, actually mean to say the church is? So it's kind of one comma, holy comma, Catholic comma, apostolic. apostolic. So maybe run through those four. Mm. Yeah, the four marks, or to use the the Latin term, the note of the church: one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. I, I think one one thing to say at the outset is. We sh- when we sh- when we talk about the church, we shouldn't divorce that from um, the person of of Jesus and uh, the person of of the Spirit. 
Um, and in fact, I don't think we're going to be able to make sense of these four note or these four marks unless we actually constantly refer back to the work of Christ in the power of the Spirit at the good pleasure of the Father. That's that's really important. So our okay. to use the technical language, the doctrine of God, our Christology and our pneumatology does really shape our ecclesiology, our words, our theology yes. about about the church. And this is, of course, picked up in different metaphors that are used in Scripture as well. The church is the body of Christ. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we see these connections back. This is really important. So, you know, sometimes I talk about theology being like a web. Yes. Um, yeah, that the yeah, church's yeah. doctrine is like a web. It all hangs together. So when we come to thinking about the church, we you know, we have our doctrine of God, our our Christology, our words about Christ, our pneumatology, our words about the Spirit, always in the background. One of the things that comes to mind as you say that is one of the few times that a friend has asked me genuinely what I believe, and we unpacked that over about two hours at a pub one day. Mm-hmm. It was a, just a remarkable conversation, uh, which, among other things, was one of the things I looked to that, that helped me to relax a little bit about my evangelism, or we might even get to evangelism later, which is one of the things that the church uh, does. But it was just this remarkable moment of me realizing, wow, when the time is right, I don't have to push my thoughts on on somebody if they genuinely ask. But one of the, the features of that wonderful evening was that I found myself sort of going, well, okay. And he was like, what do you, what do you honestly believe? What do you, what do you think? And I had to really, you know, start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start, almost sort of walk through this. But one of the things I quickly found was that I was having to sort of like pause and say, well, I have to stop there and explain that word. I have to stop there and explain that concept. I have to stop there because the web was becoming really apparent as mm. I spoke to someone who literally knew nothing mm. uh, and was I couldn't get very far talking about the church without talking about why we believe these things and yeah. why we believe Jesus has done what he done and has done what he has done and many times I had to sort of say look you're going to have to humor me here yeah. and run with this this is what Christians think and because they think this it means that spills out into this and this spills out into that mm. and this requires me to tell you about this before it mm. makes sense mm. so that web is really apparent it is or, or you know to to use a, a, another metaphor um it's it's like entering another world, right? Um, uh, you know, one of my theological teachers, Billy Abraham, talks about it's like crossing a threshold. So right. you walk through a door and you walk into a room and you, you see the entirety of the room and you see the coherence of the room and how all of the elements of the room work together to create a room. And I think this is what's going on uh, or the creed as well, we're stepping into an understanding of who God is and what God has done in the world in the person of Jesus Christ and in the person of the Spirit. And that reframes um, how we how we think about our own lives. Um, I mean, the genius of Lewis here with Narnia just becomes even more and more apparent, right? It's totally. So it's you, going through the wardrobe, right? through a wardrobe into, uh, and it's beautifully captured in the book and then in, in, in film. A moment later, she found that she was standing in the middle of a wood at night time, 
with snow under her feet and snowflakes falling through the air. Lucy felt a little frightened, but she felt very inquisitive and excited as well. She looked back over her shoulder and there between the dark tree trunks, she could still see the open doorway of the wardrobe. So yeah, run through those four note for us. Yeah, so the church is one. Um, in other words, we are united as the people of God. Now the interesting thing is when we look out there, we see different churches and denominations and infighting and all of that. So how do we make sense of that? that confession, that belief that we're one? Well, because we have been united with our head, Jesus Christ, by the power of the spirit and we become we become one people mm-hmm. and uh, Irenaeus who I mentioned in an earlier podcast talks about it like this way he, he talks about it, it's like the different grains of wheat that's us as individual people but the water of the spirit unites those grains in a way that it becomes a loaf, a whole Um, And I love that. You know, this is the Mm. unifying work of the Spirit, uniting us with Christ. And then because we're united with Christ, we're united with each other. Mm. And I think because that is a theological reality, that is true that we are one because of Christ's work and because of the work of the Spirit. When we see that this is not the case uh, on the ground, if I can put it that way, or, or... let me rephrase that, because it is the case that we're one. When we don't live into that reality because we're at odds with each other or whatever it may be, it is incumbent upon us to to live into the oneness that is being gifted to us in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That gift is also a task for us. Um, this is why Jesus prays that we are one as he is one, with the Father. So we have to work hard for that. Mm. Um, and, you know, we know this in our everyday lives, actually. Mm. Mm. Uh, we know that, you know, churches are not perfect places. Um, the New Testament doesn't give us a a perfect picture of the church. You and I have both got war stories in this yeah, in yeah. this area, I mean, I'm a pastor's kid. I I know I know a lot about the shadow side of the church, but I still want to say that the church is one, and we because of what Christ and the Spirit have done, and we have to lean into that reality. We have to make that gift also our task to express the unity that we find in Christ by the Spirit. Father, make us one. To pivot to the next and mark. holy <laughs> is some of the reason we're not as one as we should be because we're not as holy as we should be. Yeah. So again, how do we how do we make sense of that? Because empirically, uh, we don't look anything 
um, um, like we're holy. In, in other words, set apart, mm. um, pure, unalloyed, you know, that there is no sin or, or brokenness, um, spotless, without blemish. This is the language that's used in Ephesians, the right? Depressingly difficult yeah. to attain language. Um, but just as we are justified in the sight of God, that is, um, this is a law court metaphor, actually, that we are, we are made just, we're declared righteous because of what Christ has done. But there now is the ongoing work of sanctification, of making that justification, which is a declaration, more and more a reality in our life as the, as the Spirit makes us more holy. So the church is holy because of what Christ has done. And the Spirit of God is working to to make the church more holy, to lean into that reality um, of what Christ has won for us. So we have to work on that. It's a gift, but it's also a task again. Yeah, there's a parallel here that you mentioned in the last session when we talked about Pentecost, among other things, being a, a sort of another exodus mm. and that the tongues of fire bring to mind the, the pillar of fire that was followed and the sort of the, the you know, the coming out of mm. um, Egypt and all that it stood for. Mm. But as one of the little sayings I used to hear as a, as a kid, you know, hey, they, they got out of Egypt quick, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And, you know... <laughs> I've never heard that before, by the way. That's wonderful. Yeah, and, but, and, and, and before you go criticising them for how long it took to get Egypt out of them, how long is it taking for the Lord to get stuff out of us, right? The Spirit to, to, to do that sanctifying work, lest we be too quick to criticise... Mm-hmm. The Israelites or anyone else for how long this this process takes. There's a there's a real need to be to be humble, to be open to that ongoing work of being made holy. Mm. Being. But not, notice, and this is this is the case throughout God's dealings with us. God acts and we respond. Mm. Uh, we love because. He first loves us. Mm-hmm. We become holy because he has made us holy in the work of cross and resurrection. Mm. Um, we are one by virtue of what he has done. Now we need to make make that oneness. We need to express that oneness. So it's, it's not us doing this in a sense yes. without responding first to what... Uh, what God has done in Christ by the Spirit. And I think that's really important to get that emphasis right. Yes, um, yes. It can turn easily to a, a, a striving. It can. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And we, we, you know, we do this in the power of the Spirit. You know, we don't have the ability to make ourselves holy. Um, Christ has done that, and we need the ongoing work of the Spirit in our lives. You know, one of the reasons we probably should have said this in the last session, that we need to be continually filled with the Spirit is we need the ongoing refining work of the Spirit in our lives. And so on to Catholic, which has the ability to sound confusing when you 
think it means Roman Catholic mm. or, or with the, mm. the Catholic Church as a, uh, as a branch of the church. Yeah. One thing I've noticed that uh, a lot of churches that haven't grown up in liturgical uh, or don't come from a particular liturgical tradition are, are adopting um, the Apostles or the Nicene Creed. It's really wonderful to see that happen. When they adopt the, the Nicene Creed, they'll often, when it comes to the line that they might project up on the screen, one holy and Catholic, they'll put a little star by Catholic and underneath, say, universal. And while, while it's true to say that Catholic, to say that the church is Catholic, is to communicate its universality, it, it, that word doesn't doesn't quite quite do it. Okay. Um, it 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 is a universal notion of the church, but if I said to you, "Man, you've got Catholic tastes in music," it's also communicating the breadth and the diversity of your of your tastes. So the the church is Catholic in the sense that it it incorporates the full diversity of humanity. Mm-hmm. It includes people of every nation, tribe, and tongue to use that that language from Revelation, and it's that diversity that that universal uh, reach of the church that Christ has come for, has given himself for in cross and resurrection. So as long as when we use that that as a sort of a shorthand universal um, for Catholic, we remember that it's also speaking to the breadth or the diversity of, of humanity. The other thing I want to say there when we talk about the church being Catholic, um, we don't just mean that as a at a point in time. The church is Catholic in that it incorporates people going yes. way back yes. in time. Cloud, and a cloud of witnesses. A cloud of witnesses. Yeah. And it will incorporate um, the diversity of people going forward in time. So... I want to say something like, uh, not only am I united at this point in time with my Māori brothers and sisters who express something in the Catholicity of the church, and my Papua New Guinean brothers and sisters, and my European brothers and sisters, and my Scottish brothers and sisters. I also want to say something like, and I'm united with, well, some of the great heroes of the faith, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Gregory of uh, Nazianzus, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Jean Calvin. Um, all of these people, they are part of the family of God. And for me, as 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 someone who is committed to the Catholicity of the church, I want to listen to them as well, mm-hmm. as I want to listen to my brothers and sisters 
here and now in Christ. I want to listen to um, those brothers and sisters from ages past. And I think there is actually a challenge in here for us as contemporary Christians because we we need to draw on the tradition of the church. We need to join on the fact that draw on the fact that we're united with our brothers and sisters um, f- from the past. For all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith before the world confessed thy also united with those who have left this life who have gone to be with Christ um, now different denominations or traditions will develop different understandings of what that means but I still want to affirm that I am united with the church that is now with Christ in the heavens mm-hmm. um, the so-called church triumphant mm-hmm. and the church here on earth um, is united uh, with the people of God who are now with Christ in a different way to what I am with Christ so I think this this word Catholic actually does quite a bit of work and if yeah, we get yeah. hold of it I think it does have some implications for us yeah um, and so the final one of the four is apostolic mm-hmm. Yeah, speak a little bit to that one. Yeah, so apostolic. Um, the church arises because of the the teaching uh, of the apostles. Um, and if you like, that, that deposit of the apostles' teaching continues to shape us. This is why in Acts 2 verse 42, right? They were devoted to different things. And one of the things they were devoted to was the apostles' teaching. And I would say the church needs to continue to follow that pattern which is outlined in Acts 2.42. And um, particularly we need to attend to the teaching of the apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, the apostolic tradition that has been that has been given that we have in Scripture and we have crystallized in particular ways in um, the creeds of, of the church. Um, and I would say particularly um, in our conversation, we've been, we've been talking about the Nicene Creed, mm. which is um, a crystallization, if you, if you like, of mm. the apostles' teaching that we find in, in the scriptures. I think there's another sense in which I would want to pick up this notion of being apostolic, though, as as well. More recent commentators have highlighted this. The, the Greek word, the verb, from which we get the, the noun apostle, apostolos, the Greek word is apostello, uh, which means to be sent out. The sent ones. The sent yeah. one, or the you know, to send out mm. is the, mm. to send is the is the verb. 
So an apostle is someone who is sent out. Mm. And I want to say we need a recovery of that that sense of what it means to be apostolic, which is in the the apostles' teaching, right? Mm. Um, part of the commission that Jesus gives to the apostles is to to go out mm. into all the world and to teach, to make uh, to make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. So we, the church, gathers and then it scatters. It's called in and then it's sent out. Um, and again, my particular tradition, I'm reminded of this uh, every Sunday when at the end of the service, someone says, uh, go forth into the world in peace. Amen, we go in the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. We're, we're being sent out yes. in the name of the Lord Jesus to bring his life, to bring his light, to bring his peace, joy, etc., etc., to the world that so desperately needs him. Yes. So that's another sense of the church is sent out on God, by God, to fulfill uh, God's mission in the world, which is, I mean, we can talk about this in different ways, but one way might be to say, to bring shalom, mm-hmm. um, to, to ensure that we are bringing to the world right relatedness with God, with each other, with the rest of the created order and the enjoyment of those relationships. Um, yes. We could speak about it in other ways too, yeah. but that might be one way to do it. So we're sent out to do that. Those two aspects of what it means to be apostolic are, are great and the reminders of that are, are, are timely, both of them, both both missionally, also gathering around the teaching. Because I think that that ends up putting actually limitations on unity and uh, again, I don't want to get into specific conversations and controversies that have come up in the church lately, but it, it's not just unity as a, a concept in a vacuum, we unite around something. We unite around Jesus, <laughs> and we exactly. unite around Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, if we're in, uniting around Jesus, we have to be faithful to the apostles' teaching about the Lord Jesus. Yes, yes. Um, so it's... And some of these concepts take on a remarkable elasticity when unity is the alpha and omega mm-hmm. Oh, the beginning and the end of all your and can't we just you know unify and and, and you know f- fling wide the the doors yes mm. so that we can then mm. unite around mm. uh, around this this is probably a longer conversation at some point but I think even when it comes to living out uh, to expressing the unity that we find in 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 Jesus. When there are differences across traditions, denominations, churches, um, a principal working of that out is to to try and make sense of those those theological differences and to to work to bring understanding, uh, repentance if, if if change is needed, or to understand that actually we're, we're talking about the same things in in different ways and. Um, there has been progress on this in the last uh, 100 years. I think about the 
the joint statement between, say, the, the Roman Catholic Church and um, the, the Lutheran Church on justification, and what right, which is a big issue at the time of the Reformation, mm. and trying to work towards that unity. But notice they're doing that by not saying, oh, no, no, we just need to ignore all of these things that have divided us, but actually notice to um, grasp those things and try and work through them together because truth still matters. Mm. What mm. we believe still matters because, as I hope we're seeing in this conversation, um, it flows through into how we we live in the world. Yeah. So, so maybe one way to look at what some of the features of the church are um, and, and aren't is to um, you know ask whether and we've been asked this question sometimes, is, is Venn operating as a church? I mean, we, you know, we, we, we pray together. We've got a high regard for, for Scripture. We um, worship uh, together as, a, as mm. a staff and mm. with others who are part of our program, mm. fellows who come on. Uh, you open the VVP program with mm. prayers together and mm-hmm. pray over each other. And, and, and I remember from Jules and I going through with a group at the VVP, we were praying words of... Kind of prophecy over, you know, there were actual prophetic words for each other and things like that. So, mm. is is Ven being the church? Well, well, Ven is a part of the church <laughs> the, in the, the sense church scattered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that you and I are a, a part of the church, but I think we're not doing church here in the sense that we are not gathered as the people of God in a particular way, like we we do when we come together as as congregations. And one of the ways of, I've, I think, making the distinction between, um, you know, gatherings for, for prayer and encouragement, some of what Venn does, for example, is to, is to come back to what are often described as the Reformation marks of the church, which... Um, which, by the way, Catholics and Orthodox, Roman Catholics and Orthodox would still affirm, but they come into um, sharper relief at the time of the Reformation. And certainly both Catholic, Roman Catholics and Orthodox would want to say more about what the church is. Um, but, we, you know, we talk about the preaching of the word. Mm-hmm. So the opening up of, of scripture through reading and the expounding of it the administration of the sacraments, mm-hmm. um, which I'm going to argue there are two sacraments, baptism and Eucharist. Mm. And, and we've resisted invitations to do that, haven't we? T- t- totally. To, to so we baptize have baptize people if they've come through our programs. We, and, we are very strict about that. And mm. this is one of the reasons we say we, we're part of the church, but we are not, we are not a church. Mm. Um, we're not a local um, expression um, of... The, the big C church because we we you know we don't baptize and we don't um, we don't administer um, holy communion and um, we don't engage in um, a particular type of church discipline as well which is often um, an additional mark of of um, the church. Mm. The other thing I would want to say, though, is we exist for the local church. Yes. What, we, what we're hoping to do through all of 
our programs, our context, our offerings is form people in the life of Christ by the Spirit so that they go back in there contributing to their their local churches. And um, as you know, this is something that's dear to my heart. I know it's dear to yours. Mm. Uh, Venn wants to be for the local church. Yes. And yes. if we if we are being if we're being say critical or we might we're being um, prophetic. Hopefully we are at times, although that needs to be weighed whether we are or not. When we're being prophetic or critical of the local church, it's always because I hope we love the local church and we're trying to call the church into some of the things that we've just talked about. Yes. We wanted to express its oneness, its holiness, its um, catholicity, its it, the, the fact that it's faithful to the apostles' teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really want to emphasize this and I hope that anyone who's come through our programs experience the fact that we're for the local church and that they're encouraged to be a vibrant member of of their local church congregation. Yes, yes. You made us for much more than this. Awake the kingdom seed in us. Fill us with the strength and love of Christ. We are your church. Yeah, recognizing that that it's almost inevitable that you go through seasons where it's difficult to find your place um, in a in a church. Or to find one where where you you, um, you can go. Just mindful of a conversation I've just had this week with somebody who's really struggling to find a place within the the smaller setting that they're in um, where they can function in that way. And that we were sort of our prayer for them was that they would would find that um, yeah. if not in this particular season that it would. You know, quickly they would be able to, to do that. It is interesting that, you know, I have these conversations with people as well. And I think there are people who carry particular sort of vocations. Mm. You know, I think people often say it's different. It's difficult for an artist to be in a local church community. I think, has, you know, if we go back sort of 20 or 30 years, that has been the case for people in business as well. I think that's changing, which is for the good. So we do need to be sensitive to that as um, as church communities, but we still also need to encourage those people. Hey, it it it's not possible actually um, from the standpoint of scripture to to be someone who is united with Christ in the Spirit, who is therefore part of the the Catholic Church in the sense of being the part of the universal church who doesn't meet with brothers and sisters. Like mm. It's got to show up on the ground. Mm. Mm. And we need to hold that before people, even though that can be challenging at times. I find it challenging at times. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going through a series at the moment at church because we've just come out of Pentecost of what the church looks like and some of the things that uh, have been listed, a community of belonging, community of prayer and worship. This is at St. Paul's, a community of word and sacrament, community of power, you mm. know, with the mm. gifts that we touched on last 
time we, we, we talked on Pentecost, a uh, community of good news with evangelism and mission. I just wondered whether in closing, because we'll, we'll come to the end of these uh, these these three and sort of do a bit of a sign-off, but whether I see you've got your, your Bible in front of you, if you want to maybe read that passage from the end of Acts 2, where we are seeing the church birthed. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking of going from those... Um, Verses uh, where it says, you know, three three thousand were added mm. uh, to their number, and then just the, those marvelous few verses of of just what's going on. Not that we follow it; we try to follow it literally, word for word, and and legalistically. But it paints a pretty cool picture. Yeah, there's a paradigm though for us, I think, yeah, um, yeah. particularly um, verse forty two, which is where I'll start. So this is Acts two. 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wonderful. That's a great note to finish on. Thanks, Hey, thanks, mate. See ya. Thanks for listening to this series of Venn Presents. Our aim at Venn Foundation is to help people embrace the depths and riches of the Christian tradition for the good of their homes, universities, workplaces, churches and communities in Aotearoa, New Zealand. As a non-profit, we can only do this because of the generosity of those who financially support us. If you found our work encouraging and helpful, please consider becoming a financial supporter. You can sign up on our website, www.ven.org.nz, that's V-E-N-N.org.nz, and all donations are eligible for a tax receipt in New Zealand. Kia ora.